Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast, and I am back with my friend, Dennis Eastman. Dennis, say hello to everybody. It's great to be here. And he's coming from sunny Southern California. Um, I'm coming from Northern California. And today's guest and friend and fellow educator is coming from Texas, um, someone I got to know through Baylor. Um, and through her master's program and, and some of her studies there, but then I've had the opportunity to watch from afar as she uh, transitions in her work and, and grows. And uh, Kathleen Piercy is with us. And Kathleen, before we jump into what we're here for and what we're going to talk about, tell us a little bit about your, your professional journey, you know, from, I think, if I believe, classroom teacher to instructional coach and, and all of the pictures. So give us a little bit of taste of that. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be with you all today. Thanks for the invite. Um, yeah, so I was a third through fifth grade teacher and also a K-4 music teacher, um, which is an interesting story there. And then in the last year, I've transitioned to being a K-4 instructional math coach for our district in North Texas. Um, in that role, I get to support 124 teachers, which I feel is a massive blessing to get to support that many teachers in classrooms. And actually just yesterday, I was interested to know how many students that equates to uh, getting to work with that many teachers. And that comes out to about 2,800 K-4 students. Um, and so I treasure that responsibility uh, very much. And Really, I'm an avid learner. I love to know everything about our educational system, um, student learning, and teacher impact. And so I'm blessed to do the work that I do, and I'm grateful to have this conversation today. Great. Kathleen, that's so cool. And there's so many questions that I have, even <laughs> just in those numbers. So maybe yeah. we get to that. But really, okay. what we've been doing in this series is, you know, telling stories. And it's a, and we're, we're, in, we're coming to the end of year and a half, so about 18 months of, of doing these monthly series on stories and becoming more human, where we ask kind of the start the conversation with where is a time or when is a time where a student, a group of students impacted you and impacted your life? Because so often we talk about the impact that we have as professionals on students. But where is a time or what are some some things that resonate with you where it's like, you know, this student or a group of students had this impact on me that made me a better person, and, and then ultimately a, a, a better professional. Yeah. So as I was thinking, I have had so many individual students impact me with their individual stories. Um, however, I think I'm going to have to talk about groups of students because there are so many I could talk about. Um, you know, I've taught through a couple of huge shutdowns when it comes to our educational system. So the first one is I started my career in Oklahoma. I went to school up there and then started my teaching career. And the first interaction I had with uh, no normal school day for our kids was the Oklahoma teacher walkout. Um, and so taking that break from school while there was fights for funding um, and different mandates to make its way through the Capitol, um, I lost touch with my third graders for 10 days straight. And, you know, at that point in my career, I was really focused on growing as a professional. You know, what are the things that I should be doing? What are my lesson plans looking like? You know, how effective am I here? What does my, you know, evaluation say? Um, and I had kiddos who were dependent on coming to school. Their parents were dependent on school being there, especially when it came to necessities of life. 
And I remember coming back to school after that experience and my students, my class, <laughs> decided to make a line on the track at recess and they played teacher walkout and they were chanting, we wanna learn, we want more. <laughs> and in that moment though, I recognized how special school was to them and to be back in school. And I remember walking into my classroom and my whiteboard still said, you know, it's like really 14 days before and thinking about how much time I've lost with my students and knowing that many of them just needed the hug or just needed the consistency and the structure of our routine in the classroom. And so that was the first time I realized how much my role mattered, yes, to them, but how much they meant to me. Because even though it was a time to fight for what's important in our system and to make sure that our students were getting the best they possibly could in the state of Oklahoma, um, I missed them. Like there was a hole for me. Um, and then we all went through global pandemic. Um, and out of that, I missed the last, you know, full nine weeks with a fourth grade class. And we ended school over Zoom. Um, and so then I felt like very isolated in my own home. Um, and I'm not hearing about basketball games and I'm not hearing about what they're excited with their learning goals. And I missed that. And then after that, I got transitioned into the music teacher role. And so I'm gonna wrap it up there in that I went from, I've got about 25 kids in my class to now I teach 600. And I'll tell you, I struggled with my worth in that role because in my mind, I felt like, well, I'm not as important to them as their, you know, grade level teacher um, it, because I only see them once every seven days. And so through COVID, though, then my classroom really did become about not so much academic standards, but did students belong in my room? Did they feel a sense of belonging? Could they, you know, express themselves the way that they needed to while we were going through masks and everything else? And confusion. And in that role, I didn't feel as important to them. But what's interesting is now that's still one of my campuses as an instructional coach. And those kindergartners that I had are now second graders. And every time I walk in, it's Miss Piercy, hugs, all of that. And I thought they didn't care as five-year-olds. You know, surely I didn't matter as much. So they impacted me too to know that even though there were more of them, it didn't lessen their importance to me in my classroom. Kathleen. These examples are phenomenal. So good how you were impacted. And of course, uh, learning the essential nature of connectedness with these kids, um, both from your standpoint and theirs. So I'm curious, you gave uh, a few vignettes that are, are worth obviously going much deeper on, but if I can sew these together with, my, with this question, when you were immediately back in front of them after their time away, mm -hmm. what were some things that you did to help reconnect maybe quickly? And, or did you find yourself saying, no, we just need to get into the learning? I know that there were some who said, We've been away so long, we need to just dive into the learning. And then I know others who said, like you, wow, I've missed you. This is an emotional moment for all of us. Let's reconnect. So I'm curious, what did you do immediately um, out of both of those situations that you mentioned to come and kind of gather them 
about you and, and do a reconnect in person? So I think that the first thing I always wanted my students to know is that I'm a human too. Um, and so there is a human element that connects all of us and it's okay to feel certain things. And I would always tell my students, we're accountable for the behavior that we, we choose, right? And there are always consequences to good or bad behavior. There are consequences to missing this much school, There, all of that. But I'll always walk through that with you, whatever that has to look like. And so being back in front of them, of course, the first thing is to tell them how much they're missed. You know, and I think that we all want to know that we matter. It doesn't matter if we're in a classroom or we're in our own home or, you know, whatever we find ourselves in community, we want to feel that we belong. And so whether it was Oklahoma or even after COVID um, and coming, making sure that those students still felt like they mattered to me, even when they were fifth graders and moving on, it's about standing up in front of them and saying, hey, this has been hard do we need to talk about anything and how are we going to move forward? Because I do think our kids deal with a lot today. Um, and so to also teach them how to take a step forward and this is challenging, but I can also work through challenging things and ask for the help that I need. So sometimes for me, it did look like, all right, guys, if it came to content and we're really behind, I'm okay with saying, Hey, we're really behind from where we need to be. What do you think would be the best next step for us to take to where you feel comfortable, you know, getting back on track and we're going to be successful, you know, in our classroom? How can we help each other to make it more of a community thing rather than just it's all about me as your teacher telling you this is what we have to do and then hoping that it falls into place? I think kids are able to do that if we give them the opportunity. Outstanding. Love it. And I love that you're making them active participants in their own rescue by asking those important questions. That's just, um, I, I think that's just phenomenal. Um, so I'm curious then um, for your, for your own um, sense of well-being. I know that we all have a, a clock in our head that says I am behind <laughs> and there's a propensity to want to hit the accelerator, right? And just sure. say, okay, we are weeks behind, we're months behind. I'm curious, how do you go about helping the students to um, scaffold? Because we know they have to scaffold, mm -hmm. that's, it's behind is behind, but it doesn't mean that we can move up the learning time clock, right? And so I'm curious, what are you doing to help scaffold that maybe um, potential learning loss, as well as maintaining the social emotional connection with your kids? So exactly the important things, what you just said, we are human, we love you, I care about you, this can wait, but now really we do have to learn. <laughs> What, yeah. how, how do you, um, that's kind of an alchemy, isn't it? <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you have to have this intricate chemistry um, of balance. So tell us how you might go about balancing those things. Yeah, the, this is a conversation I have a lot in my current role as an instructional coach, where we're dealing with so many learning gaps and the ripple effect of missing so much school, not so much. Yes, I dealt with it in Oklahoma with a walkout, but you know, COVID is a totally different ballgame. And so I'm going to kind of say what I, the conversation I've had with teachers a lot now, but also as a teacher myself, 
Um, I think this is something that does wear our educators down very quickly is the need to feel like we have to be on the gas pedal all the time. And really it doesn't create a safe space for us and it doesn't create a safe space for our students because they do feel our stress too, right? And so I think for our students, um, going back to my own classroom is everything was framed around a goal. You know, this is where we're starting. I'm going to do everything within my power and my knowledge to move you forward. This is where we're, we're at. This is your responsibility and the learning because the learning is shared between you and me, teacher and student. And so these are the things that I need you to be doing. These are the things that I'm going to be doing. And we're going to be on a path to growth together. Honestly, that really never failed for me with kids. Even some of my kiddos who really struggled deeply, whether it was emotions or big behaviors, if I could give them something tangible to say, this is your learning and this is your ownership and this is mine, I do it with you, then we will move together. And they do. And the growth doesn't look the same. And it's just like working with teachers now. The goal, you know, the success of what we choose to implement is based off the goal, not my opinion of you, not my opinion of students. It's always, did we meet the goal? That's the success. Um, so showing students how to do that from an early, um, an early spot proved to be valuable in the classroom. So take that a little bit further because it, it is, and you, you alluded to it is in your new role, right? Yeah. Like, what are you learning and discovering about kind of that that humanness and that connection and that care as you as you walk alongside teachers, as you're an instructional coach? You may not necessarily be the boss, right? But you're mm -hmm. a partner in the learning. You're there to help them and to accelerate their own, you know, their own work. Um, right. to encourage it, to grow it. Um, so what are you discovering about what you, you kind of discovered as a teacher that now you're discovering with adults? Right. It all starts with relationship. You have to be have a relationship to make any progress towards improvement uh, when it comes to our profession. And so, um, you know, starting as an instructional coach, it can be difficult because I think teachers I personally myself was used to this as a teacher too, were evaluated based off of a system and a rubric. And it's hard for someone to come into your classroom and then think, okay, now what do I do with this person? I'm not their evaluator. Um, I'm not their administrator. I truly am a partner. Um, and so I think that Jim Knight calls it a dialogical coach. And just like I tried to open up dialogue with my students, that has been my goal with teachers in that I truly am your partner. Um, Jen Knight talks about the balance between advocacy and also inquiry. Um, and so having the conversations, giving the strategies to help teachers move forward, just like I gave students strategies to help them move forward. But I'm not gonna think for my students, just like I'm not going to think for the teacher. But I'm also not going to hold back my ideas and I do that the same way with students and teachers, but it does put, just like I want teachers to feel empowered to make decisions for their classroom, I wanted my students to feel empowered to make decisions for their learning. Um, and so now in my current role, knowing that every classroom is different, my job is not just to tell you the strategies that are going to work to help this learning loss or to help this standard move forward. My job is to help us think and solve problems together see how that works in your classroom, provide the feedback and support that goes with that. And so sometimes for some teachers that does look like support in that they want me to jump into their lesson or they want to see how I work with a small group. 
And sometimes for some teachers, that means leaving a really meaningful note on their desk telling them, I love being in your classroom. What you do every day is really meaningful. Thanks for showing up for our kids. So I think it just, it matters knowing your teachers individually, just like we had to learn students individually too. I love it. I love it. it, it and it is that challenge, right? You start, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kind of think it's so simple, right? You start at relationship and then you grow and yeah. then it's it's the individual relationships that, that you grow in that. Um, I'll ask a question, you know, in this sort of way, because it is, it's an interesting question about impact because a lot of teachers, and you, you alluded to some of this, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you go from a classroom of 25, you go then to being a, you know, a music teacher who has hundreds of students mm-hmm. that you're responsible for. Now you go to a place where it's like, I have 120 some adults that are responsible for that impact, you know, almost 3000 students. What do you, what, like, what encourages you in that, that you would say, Hey, you know what, like, think about having a greater impact, but then what have you discovered that maybe what's something that you really lost as you've moved into that space? So what's the real encouragement that says, Hey, you know what, think bigger, but then also know, like, here's something that I miss. That's a great question um, and a loaded question. So the encouragement behind that, I would say, but it has taken me several months in this new role to be able to see it, um, is the impact is great. To know that there are over 2000 students who are being impacted by the teachers I get to work with is a huge gift to know that maybe just by their teacher having someone who is for them and a champion for them and we're going to work together maybe they get a little bit more out of their teacher because that teacher has someone who's behind them and beside them or in front of them whatever they need um and so knowing that my goal now as a professional is not just about me and my growth but it really is about creating more leaders Um, And so we talked deeply uh, with Dr. Eckert through our program at Baylor about multipliers. And if it's no longer about me, then I really am okay being in a role knowing that my job is to multiply that influence. Um, And so I have to figure out a way to tap into the intelligence, the passion, the drive that's already there. And then it multiplies into our students and just keeps going. And so that's the encouragement that I would leave there. And um, on a personal note, I had a teacher just a few weeks ago who, you know, I, I touch base in so many classrooms, bounce in and out. Sometimes I don't get a lot of feedback about what's going well within my role because I touch base on a weekly basis. You know, she looked me dead in the face and I was walking out of her room and she said, hey, I don't know how much feedback you get in your role. You are always giving us feedback. Do you ever get feedback? And I mean, in that moment, I just kind of welled up with tears because I thought, I don't know what to say to this. And she just looked me straight in the face and said, thank you so much for your hard work. You have no idea how much it means to us to have you in our classrooms. And all I knew to say was, thank you so much. But it's in that moment that I knew, okay, like it was worth it to step outside of something that I really did love and I still do in my own classroom to know that there are now teachers who I can get behind who are making that impact for their students. With that also comes the loss of, I love, love, love teaching students. Um, And having your own community of learners, you just get to know each other, right? They figure you out, you figure them out. But every year, I think a lot of teachers would say this, especially at the elementary level, that 
every May kind of feels really sad because you know the end is coming and there's excitement to start over with new learners, but there's also this grieving period of we've done so much together and now I have to hand them off, right? Um, and so that is hard to go from your own team of teachers that you work with that kind of becomes your own world and that bubble pops. Um, but that's okay to know that more people are being impacted. Um, I will say, though, I love being an instructional coach because I still see kids every day. And I do think teachers appreciate knowing I or anybody else who's in a coaching role will sit down next to a student and be happy to work with them always. Um, I didn't take this role to leave teaching. Um, and so that is a benefit. Even though it's sad, I'm still glad to be working with students as well. Kathleen, you've given us some amazing things to think about, and uh, we're grateful that you've shared your journey. What would you say to teachers currently who are still in a residual of, wow, I'm tired, I do love my students, we are behind, I'm still trying to catch my breath, still trying to figure out what's going on in my own maybe my own personal life or even family setting. And here I am in front of 30 kids every day and sometimes multiple periods. So our, my final question for you is, give us a piece of advice as teachers, as we try to work our way forward back into hopefully a new normal. I would tell teachers, that they're the multiplier in their room every day. And I think it's easy to feel like the impact doesn't go very far when you walk into that classroom, classroom every day met with the same behavior challenges, the same learning gaps, um, maybe that hurtful email that pops up. But through all of those things, those are that's not what defines you as a teacher. Um, and you, as a multiplier, are impacting students every day who are then going to go out as they progress, not only through their K-12 education, but eventually out into the world with your impact. Um, all the way from our pre-K, all the way to 12th grade teachers. And so if you're feeling fatigued, I would also ask teachers to reach out to who is that person in your school or within your school district who is going to support you. And I think we need to be honest with each other about how we're feeling because we can be a multiplier, but I feel like we need multipliers around us too, right? For that band of support. Um, you can't be a multiplier on your own. Um, the whole point of multiplying is that there are those around you and the impact doesn't just stop with you. You need support too. Um, and so as we search for a new normal, whatever that looks like, I think we just come together knowing that this is what we're all dealing with right now. We find common ground. But we know that the most important work being done is in the classroom. And you don't need to have an official title to be a leader. You're a leader as a teacher. Kathleen, thank you so much for, number one, right. your story, you, you know, just some of the, your advice and wisdom and just even now this experience. And so we're thankful for you and um, thankful for, for this time with you. Thank you guys so much. It was an honor.